It's time for Tim. The Tim Weisberg Show on 1420 WBSM and streaming live on WBSM.com and the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message through the WBSM app. And now, WBSM's big gun, Tim Weisberg. And welcome back in third and final hour of the program here on Tuesday. And, of course, your phone calls, 508-996-0500. You can also send me app chat messages via the WBSM app. You can also send me voicemails via the open line feature on the WBSM app. So many great features there, not only for interacting with us, but also for hearing us. You can get the live stream there in crystal clear FM quality sound. You can get the podcasts. You can get live traffic, live weather, breaking news alerts, access to all of our stories, exclusive contests, all kinds of great things, all available on the WBSM app. And it's all brought to you by our friends, at South Coast Towing. So if you haven't downloaded it already, just go to your app store. And if you can't find it there, you can go to WBSM.com and click on the Listen tab. And if you still can't find it, uh, then let me know and send me an email, Tim at WBSM.com, and I will help you find it. All right, let's uh, go back to the phones. Again, 508-996-0500. You're next on WBSM. Good morning, Tim. How are you? Well, hanging in there. I want to talk about UMass Dartmouth. Mm -hmm. You know, it's they're going to go up on the tuition again. Last time I checked, I had read that it was $22,000 a year. And if you were going to stay uh, on campus in the dorms, it's going to cost you another five five grand. That's twenty seven grand a year. Plus, you have to pay $250. It might be more now from the time I read the article to, pay, to get a parking sticker for your car. To park, to park on the campus, you know, and then uh, Maura Healy now is going to uh, fifteen thousand uh, pills, abortion pills, at the cost of the taxpayer, so they can distribute that on uh, to the students on campus at five hundred dollars a pop on the on those pills. Meanwhile, there's no sidewalks for the students to walk. Isn't that crazy? Well, I, I never did understand why there aren't sidewalks on Ring Road, and I don't know. I don't know why there isn't. I don't know if there's some sort of um, restriction as to whether or not they'd be able to put them in there, or if they didn't want to have them. I, I don't know what reason you would have to not have them. But right. uh, I know that on top of that, even if they did put them in, they're, they're still looking to put like like barrier protection around it. So they're going to be putting like those. It's it's kind of like a jersey barrier, but it's not. It's not concrete. Uh, they're going to be putting those up uh, around there. And I think that, you know, whatever the permanent solution is, I still don't know why there can't be a sidewalk as part of that. Well, they should because, I mean, they had uh, a giant wind turbine, maybe two, I, I believe. I think it's two. Uh, and that was, uh, for the longest time, was dilapidated. It wasn't even running. They got money to put up that. You don't have money to put up uh, sidewalks. They can put up some kind of a rail with a, you know, like a garter, uh, guard, steel guard, rather, uh, you know, with the steel cables. You know how they do in the middle of the, the highways so the cars don't drift over or flip over onto the other side of incoming traffic? Mm -hmm. That's what they can do there. 
You know what I'm saying? Put the sidewalk all around and put one of those steel cables all the way around. Like a, uh, you know, it's almost like uh, I don't. What do they call it anyway? I mean, I know it's a barrier, but I guess there's a technical term. Yeah. Uh, why really... can't they do that? Well, I think they're going to be putting in a bunch of things. You know, like they they were talking about speed tables. They were talking about speed bumps. They were talking about speed monitoring. So I think that they're going to start putting in a lot of things and and maybe. Maybe it might be, and there's some comments on, under the story that say, you know, this sounds like overkill. And, and, you know, maybe it might be overkill, but it's also not overkill if it means that another student doesn't doesn't die as a result of right. it. Right. What about having, like, a, you know, a pedestrian bridge, you know, to go over the street? Um, I know that when I was there, they had talked, somebody had talked about that, and uh, and I think that the idea behind it was that it would take up too much, there would be too much for the approach and for it to come back down again. Uh, to be able to have, otherwise it would just be like, you know, they, they couldn't do it so that it would be stairs. You would have to have it be a gradual ramp. And I don't think that they felt that the, the clearance was there enough. And this, oh, yeah. this, this, the conversation that they were having it for was, um, outside the campus center. So that that's really the heaviest congested crossing area right there because those are where they're, well, I don't know, because now they've got more, more dorms now than they did when I went there before. Oh, oh yeah. You're talking about where the flashing light, the yellow lights yep, are, yep, right? over by the campus police yeah, station. And, I mean, right. They got excuses for everything. But, yeah, she's got money for 15,000 pills. Uh, so, you know, girls can get an abortion pill for, uh, you know, when there's things that need to be done, they always got excuses. But the push... You know, abortion pills and, uh, and wind turbines and all of this other stuff. They got money for that. So you know what? As taxpayers, I mean, I speak for myself. Sick and tired of excuses. Uh, you know, from these phony politicians. They got money when it's stuff that that they want. They always got money. They always got money. But the stuff that we need, they always have excuses for why we can't get it done. And uh, and I looked at Kate's story here about the tuition increase. So the the in-state UMD undergraduate tuition will be going up to fifteen thousand two hundred and eight dollars in tuition. When um, when I went there in, in nineteen ninety six, it was like uh, I think it was like twenty five hundred for the in in-state student tuition. Just you know, just yeah. the tuition. Then you still had to pay for the lab fees and the books and all that kind of stuff on top of it. Uh, it's it's you know it's pretty soon. Uh, state education is almost going to be out of reach. I mean, uh, it's the state uh, the, the state universities are supposed to be, you know, the most inexpensive for students. But it's going to get to a, a point where not even, uh, you know, state universities are going to be, people are going to afford to pay for them, you know? Well, that's, that's why they're pushing to be able to offer free college education for people. And that while they have programs like the one uh, that Cameron Costa told us about, I forget the name of the program, but where, you know, you can go to, you can go to a community college for two years, and as long as you hit the certain criteria you will get, you know, the opportunity to go to a state school at a reduced rate. So they're, they're putting all these, these programs in place to try to help with that. But I, I think there's probably a lot of uh, fat that could be trimmed to kind of cut some of that down. I can't imagine that you need to charge $15,000 for a, for a UMass Dartmouth education. Well, plus, you shouldn't even be pay, having to pay, pay for a parking ticket. I mean, I'm sorry, a parking sticker. Because it should be already included in the tuition. But, you know, nothing's for free. Uh, you know, the taxpayers got to pay for it. Well, but, I mean, you know, I, they I, got this big general fund. All the money goes into that general fund. Tony Cabral uh, had said on cable access that they had all kinds of money that uh, was piles and piles of money. And they have to decide how they're going to spend it. You as, know what I mean? As, as a commuter at UMass Dartmouth, I never minded having to pay for the parking sticker. 
if it meant, you know, if it meant that I would have a parking space. The problem is, is, you know, you had more cars going to the school every day than you had available parking spaces. Like if, if the stickers would allow you to limit how many people were coming into the parking lot, that'd be one thing. But I don't know that they... I don't know if they necessarily use the stickers to limit that because you would go there and there'd be people parking in places that were not parking spaces, you know, parking on the grass, parking, uh, you know, on the other side of Ring Road where you're not supposed to be like they would you would just see cars everywhere because there was more more commuters and they had available spaces then. Yeah, well, you know, let me just say in closing that the the students and the parents that have to pay, you know, for their kids education, you're getting nickel and dimed over there, you know. And like you said, they need to cut some fat. And there's some people making good money over there. Some some would argue that some of the professors don't make that much money. I mean, obviously, if you're a part-time professor, you're not going to make that much. But if you're full-time, well, let's look at the structured administrative costs and look at that and see if there's any cuts that can be made. Because there's only so many assistant deans that you need on campus, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, you know, the administrative side of things uh, can can bog things down, but I do think that there's there's a lot of things that I don't understand even even now, all these years later. Like, why was I paying lab fees when I was an English major? What what lab was I using? You know, yeah, like little little things like question. that. Why why am I buying books that are on the syllabus that are you know I have to purchase that we never cracked the entire time that I was in the course? You know, there's there's little things like that that add up that are making what that turns a fifteen thousand dollar education per per semester in or per year into a you know a thirty thousand dollar cost. Yeah. Well, you know what? The new state auditor, maybe uh, look into that. Yeah, she see she, where cuts can be made and. And, you know, because there's obviously uh, some uh, overspending that's going on. And let her, you know, go through the books and see what can be cut out. You know, help parents and and these students because, I mean, uh, pretty soon they're not going to be able to go to college, you know. Yeah, I bet bet that's on her radar of things to do. She's she's pretty serious about... uh you know, tearing all this stuff apart and finding out where, what the root of all of it really is. So I wouldn't be surprised if the UMass system isn't on our radar. Yeah, well, all right, uh, Tim. Well, it was good talking to you. Likewise. Have a good day. 508-996-0500 if you want to call in and chime in. But, yeah, the looking at that, $15,000 is... I would, I would look at that, you know, I'm still thinking 1996, 1997 terms. When I went to school there, I'd say $15,000... I could have gone to Boston College for thirty, but no, no, it's it's a lot more than that. In fact, I was talking with somebody recently uh, whose daughter is looking to go to BC, and the was was yeah, and the tuition was way more, way more than uh, than I remembered it being. Because originally I was supposed to go, so I tried to go to Harvard. My SAT math scores were too low, so I couldn't get in. And then, I, you know, I made my case. I had a good story, you know, being homeless a couple times during high school. Like, I had a good essay and everything. So they thought that I had a chance. But the, the SAT math score was just a little bit too low. Um, and then, kind of a lot too low. And so then I was going to go to Emerson because, I, you know, I always wanted to be in media production. But then uh, I thought... I don't know that that's necessarily going to be something I can get a job in right away. Maybe I want to go in a little bit more generalized education. So then I was going to go to Boston College, and that was too pricey. So I ended up being able to go to UMass Dartmouth two weeks before the semester started. I signed up for classes. 
And I think, like I said, I think it was $2,500 was the tuition. And then whatever it was in lab fees and all the other additional costs that they put into it. So I had, I had scholarships, so I was able to cover all of that. The Pell Grant, I was able to cover all of that. So I, I didn't end up having to pay anything out of pocket. I mean, for the, for, for the most part, the scholarships handled everything. I had one scholarship that was $1,000 a year for four years. So I was, I was like, hey, I'm going to be all set. The, the, I can pay the rest of it if, I, if, if anything falls through, I can pay the rest of it. Then I went to the bookstore to buy all my books, and I dropped, I think it was like five or $600 in books my freshman year. And half of those books we never even read. And it, it still irks me to this day. It was, you know, oh, the professor wrote this book. You have to buy the book. We're going to talk about it in class. We never talked about it. But the professor got a royalty on the book, right? So that's why I learned pretty much after that first semester not to buy the books until we were about to talk about it in class. Then go down to the bookstore and see if you can find it. And if you don't go on day one and buy the books, chances are there might be some used ones a little bit later on in the season, a little bit later on in the semester. But yeah, it was in, in what, what cost me the most going to that school too? Gas. Having lunch every day. I'd have to leave so early. You didn't eat breakfast at home. I, you know, I had siblings that were all still in school, so it was too hectic in the house. Just take a shower and get out. So if you want to have breakfast, I mean, my breakfast every day was a, a muffin and a coffee from one of the carts. Add that up every day. Add up having to get lunch, whether you stay on campus or leave campus. Or even if you bring a lunch. You know, it was, it was an expensive venture. And for what? They've never once asked to see my degree. Don't have one. Didn't finish. So, hey, on the one hand, I'm telling my son, you got to go to college. On the other hand, I'm telling him, I don't know they necessarily have to go to college. So, 508-996-0500. We also have the app chat available and the open line available on the WBSM app. If you want to text in or leave a voicemail, we'll take a break and be back in just a few moments. This one you might have forgotten about. One of the 90s one-hit wonders, Corner Shops, Brimful of Asha. 508-996-0500 if you want to call in and chime in. I did push out the podcast, too, 
of the second hour where we have the discussion with New Bedford Ward 3 City Councilor Sean Oliver about the C-Click Fix app, which is something that you can utilize to get things done uh, in your neighborhood. So if you feel like there's, of course, we've talked about it uh, for a number of years now when it comes to potholes. That if there's a pothole in your neighborhood that you feel is not being addressed, you can take a photo of it, you can send it in on the app, put in a request to have it repaired and follow along with how that request is going. But uh, as Councillor Oliver was telling us, it's also for things like yesterday when Shawneen called in and said, you know, the street sweepers are going down these main roads, but they're not doing the side roads and, you know, Cottage Street really needs to be cleaned. And some of the neighborhood, some of the roads up in that area some of the streets like i think i believe she mentioned chestnut street which i remembered you know because that's where my parents used to have a house so if you feel like your neighborhood needs street sweeping while they're out there doing this get on the app and send some photos in and let them see how bad it is and, and maybe while they're out there doing some of these roads they'll take a detour down your street and uh, and be able to clean it up of course as the mayor mentioned to us there's there's Traffic being moved uh, as part of that. Traffic not being able to park on the street while they're going to be sweeping. So there's logistics that are involved in it. So it might take a little bit to get it done, but that's how you can report it to them. And, and as uh, Councillor Oliver said too, then follow up with your ward counselor and tell them, hey, just so you know, I put in this request so that they can be aware of it and follow along with it. But as he said, he looks at it all the time. He knows some of the other councillors look at it. Mayor Mitchell looks at it all the time to check on the progress of, of different things. So you can utilize that to your ability, to, to your uh, advantage, to get some of these things done. And as I mentioned, too, it's your connection for a lot of things that you need to do with the city, whether it be pay some, some bills, your water bill, your property taxes. There's links in there for that. There's links in there for the parking app to be able to pay for parking digitally. If you don't have quarters, uh, there's there's the page where you can check out everything that's going on at the beaches. You can check out the upcoming road work. It's all right there on the C-Click-Fix app. So if you don't have that, you can go to your app store and get it. And if you run into trouble trying to get it, you can get it from the city website. If you run into trouble with that, you can reach out to me, Tim, at WBSM.com, and I'll be happy to help you try to figure out how to get it onto your device. And so even if you don't think that you have anything to report in that regard, I would put it on your phone and have it ready because there'll be a time when you will want to report something. You know, maybe you have to report some of these, these parking issues that are going on. People parking in front of the hydrant. Businesses that are utilizing the residential spaces for their, their business parking fleet. You know, these, these things are out there happening. I know, I've seen the photos. People have been sending them in. But you can send them into the city and have them actually enforce what's going on. Uh, 508-996-0500. You know, I, I was talking earlier about what the Wareham police was were dealing with 50 years ago. And some of the things that they had to contend with. And I had mentioned that some of them were uniquely 1970s. But you know what? I'm sure back in those days... You still had issues with people parking where they shouldn't be. Like uh, at 7.55 a.m., the old section of Martin Street will be closed for the next three days. Well, if it was the old section of Martin Street 50 years ago, what's it now? The ancient section of Martin Street? But uh, this, this is the one that really kind of caught my attention. And I said, not today. This would never fly today. 
8.47 a.m. This is from April 17th, 1973. And you can read you can read all about the Wareham police log from 50 years ago at WBSM.com and on the app. The police put it up on Facebook, and I wrote a little story about it just because I, I found it amusing, and I thought you would as well. 8.47 a.m. There will be a blue van recruiting paper boys. A blue van was driving around town approaching teenage boys and say, hey, hey, come here. I want to talk to you. (laughs) How would that fly in 2023? That would last about five minutes before everybody was calling the police and and complaining. And I'm sure even in 1973, it was probably something that uh, people saw and were concerned about. And that's why they were making the police department aware of it. But that's how they would recruit paperwork. They would just drive around in a van and say, hey, kid, you got a bike? You want a job? I don't, I'm trying to think if I ever had a paper boy like that growing up. When I was, when I was a kid, my grandfather and my aunt had a paper route. I think it was my aunt's paper route. My aunt's only 14 years older than me. So when I was, you know, five, she was 19. When I was 10, she was 25. She still lived at home. 24. So she still lived at home. She lived at home until my grandparents passed away. And she had a paper route. And her and my grandfather would go out and do it in the car. So they did their neighborhood. I'm trying to think if uh, if I ever had a paper boy at my house. Not Not somebody that would be riding a bicycle. No. It would be somebody who was delivering out in a car. So... By my age, you know, I'm 45. I was born in 78. So by the time I was aware of the newspaper coming, I think we were already down to, you know, people out in cars. But in 1973, they were going around in a blue van asking if somebody wanted a job. And I'm going to guess it was either the Standard Times or the Cape Cod Times. And of course, as I mentioned, some distinct, some distinctly 70s crimes, such as the person who reported his uh, 8-track player was stolen from his vehicle overnight. And as the police updated it, they, they did identify the suspect, but they did not recover the 8-track player. I'm so sorry, sir, that you never got your 8-track player back. You missed out on the joy of having the 8-track of Inagata DeVita that was, took up all 8-tracks just to play the one song where it would, it would definitely fade out in, in different parts of the song and then fade back in as it clicked over. Uh, and also to the, the poor woman who lost her 1972 Nova, it was taken from her home at the Pinewood Apartments, which is why on the image for the story, I have a, I have a 72 Nova out in front of the Wareham Police Department. Uh, that was not the Nova that was missing. That was from a commercial or from a, from a, a dealership video they put out. So I, I don't know if they ever recovered the Nova. Wareham Police, if you were listening, I know that you were able to address the issue of the A-Track player, but the burning question is, did they recover the Nova? And the Wareham Police asked in their post, would you like us to put more of these? Would you like us to po- put more, you know, this day in police log history? And the answer has been an overwhelming yes, because I think people want to see what it was like in that simpler time. 
when the worst crime that might be going on in your neighborhood would be something like 5.06 p.m., male reports kids digging up the yard of a house. If that's the worst thing that happened in your neighborhood all day, you're, you're doing okay. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You were on WBSM. Hello. In the 70s, when Son, Son of Sam was out and about, mm-hmm. it must have bothered my mother, even though we lived in New Bedford, because when they found him, my mother woke me up about 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning to tell me they caught Son of Sam. And the reason was my hair was brown, long, and she thought that's who he was going after at the time. Then he changed the color of the people he was picking. So my mother, I never knew that it was bothering her. Yeah. You would think, that, yeah, you know, it was it was pretty hyper-localized in New York City, but, I mean, I, I can see how it would unnerve somebody even, even this far away. Now, um, of, on yellow lights, how many cars should go through a yellow light normally? I believe the answer is zero. Oh, so when it's yellow, you stop. I, I think it w- I think yellow means that you should stop if you can. Yeah, because it's a warning. But uh, when when I'm going on Nash Road and Cushion Avenue, I already uh, complained to the WBSM and Giesta, my representative. Mm-hmm. She she uh, got it to improve. It's once it changes from green to yellow, you got one second. And then now it's two seconds. So it looks like you could create an accident because some people just will go when it's red yeah. or, or when it's green. Or somebody else will stop short, and then that means the car behind them thinks that they're going to be able to go because, they oh, it's yellow, I'll be able to make it. And yeah. then it's too short, and they slam into that car. Right into the midsection, it's green. And then once it turns yellow, you're into the red zone because you're right in the middle. And it's like, oh. And uh, now it's two seconds, so I know. I go slower because I go... That yellow, I'm stopping. The minute I see that it's yellow, I'm slowing down. So the cars in back of me know I'm not going to go through. And which intersection is that again? Uh, Nash Road and Kushner Avenue. Okay, yeah. Well, I'll uh, I'll have to go out there and see if I can uh, and and time it and maybe write an article about it to warn people. Okay, dokie. All right, thank Thank you for the call. And, uh, you know, speaking of Son of Sam, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, what, what, I forget. Oh, Phil. Phil played the Standells one morning. He played Dirty Water. And, you know, they play that at every Red Sox, after every Red Sox win. You know, it's their version of New York, New York. Uh, and, and people know that song and, and they, they sing along with it and they know the words. But I don't know that people necessarily know what the words are relating to. And there's, there's a new uh, film on Hulu about the Boston Strangler. And... That song, Dirty Water, part of that is about the Boston Strangler. Like the 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 um the verse that says frustrated women have to be in by twelve o'clock. That's relating to the Boston Strangler. That's why they had a curfew for women to be home by because of the Boston Strangler. You know, and I'm wishing and hoping that just once those doors weren't locked, uh I mean, come on, come on, guy. Don't don't make it creepier than it has to be. But that's that's what that relates to. It relates to the Boston Strangler. So I can see why people would be afraid of some of these these situations, you know? Like 
the Zodiac killer wasn't coming here, but that doesn't mean that you couldn't be concerned about it. Especially where there were copycats. What's interesting, too, is um, they they just started running a Showtime has a, a new series called Waco, The Aftermath. And I fell asleep watching the first episode because I was tired, so I, I have to go back and finish it. But it's a follow-up to the series that they did when Paramount Plus first came out. I'm sorry, the Paramount Network first came out. And they ran this with Michael Shannon as the FBI agent and, uh, and Taylor Kitsch played David Koresh. And it was all about the siege at Waco. And now this Waco, the aftermath, is a combination flashback and what happened after Waco. So it gets into Timothy McVeigh and the Oklahoma City bombing. But it also kind of flashes back to when Koresh arrived at Mount Carmel in Waco and how he went from being Vernon Howell to David Koresh. And I'm wondering if it's going to have anything in there about when he spent time in New Bedford. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see about that. Um, still one of the creepiest stories I ever heard. It was on the Chris McCarthy, Chris McCarthy show. The person who called in and said, not only did, uh, did I know him, but I gave him a ride to the NHD hardware store. And the Neil Young song that was playing on the, on the radio was what inspired him to get the paint that he painted the bus that he drove a bunch of future branch Davidians out to Mount Carmel in, in Waco in the bus. So, uh, yeah, hey. Anyway, 508-996-0500. Didn't mean to take a turn down uh, mass murderer and, uh, and serial killer avenue, but uh, that's, that's where we ended up. That's where we uh, go sometimes with these conversations. 508-996-0500. Going to take a break. We'll be back in a few moments. <laughs> in 508-996-0500 if you want to call in and chime in and get involved in the discussion uh you can also send us an app chat message via the wbsm app which uh dsy in new bedford did tim do you remember professor donald mulcair i used to catch frogs for him down by where we used to hit golf balls this was maybe 1975 1976 um i don't know professor mulcair i so i went to UMass from 1996 to 2000. And I was an English major and a political science minor. And so I'm just trying to think of some of the professors that I can remember. Uh, I remember I remember Professor Larson because that was the the professor I didn't get along with. He, he said, you can't take my class and work a job. 
And I said, well, then I shouldn't take your class then because I have to work. How do you think I get to school every day? So, yeah, he was he was a little bit full of himself. Um, I remember uh, Professor DeMary, who I had for political science, who intro to political science, who gave me a B plus in the class and said, you actually earned an A minus, but I couldn't in good consciousness give you an A minus because you, um, you, you slept through every class. And I said, you know what? I'm fine with the B plus then <laughs> and all the sleep that I got. Uh, I remember Professor Robert Waxler, who I had for um, American Lit, and uh, I enjoyed his class very much. Uh, I had Professor Nasir Aruri for human rights and I think a couple of other political science classes. Um, who else do I remember? Oh, of course, uh, one of my favorites of all time, one of my favorite people of all time, Dr. Jim Bobrick. I had for Shakespeare in uh, an ancient world renaissance literature. Love Dr. Bobrick. He used to come into the diner and have breakfast when he moved to Wareham. And um, Professor Kellerman, Joan Kellerman, she was the... Uh, was that, was that Joan Kellerman? Yeah, well, she was the beat poetry professor. It took me a little while to get used to her, but once I did, I loved her. I thought she was awesome. Um, and who else? Oh, and of course, my, my huge mentor, uh, Professor uh, Robert Melanson, who taught Amer uh, political assassinations in America which was one of the most eye-opening and interesting courses that I ever took. So those are just some of the ones that I can remember. There was also, I believe, Professor Douglas was his name, who taught, he taught my biology class I had to take as a freshman. Um, he, was, he was a great professor. I learned a lot with him. That was a class for nursing students, but it was the only time I could fit into my schedule a science class that I had to take as a, as a requirement, as a prereq. So that, that's, those are all the ones I can remember. 508-996-0500. You are next on WBSM. Hey, question. Yes. In political science, on the way in, do they do a psych evaluation? And then six months after you graduate, another psych evaluation? No, but they should have. I wouldn't have, yeah, I wouldn't have, I I wouldn't have passed. I mean, I mean, Massachusetts, California, and uh, Florida probably like would be like, that would be like, wow, man, that's why I want that, man. You know, I'll tell you this. I, I took I took about two two and a half years of political science courses, and not once did, did, were any of those courses taught with any kind of slant to them. In my mind, you know, I, everything was taught in a, in a way that it was just straightforward. Here's the information you you evaluate it and you determine what what you think based on your own. It wasn't leaning you one way or the other. Not not in my mind. I like that. I like that. When when I was in high school, there was this weird thing going on in the government. So. My father was a decorated military veteran, so we all had soldiers and sailors benefits. And Reagan had come in, and the year before, Congress, by a very narrow margin, so if you were going to go to college, it was so bizarre how they did it. You had to be, by June 6th of 1992, you had to be enrolled and actively taking college courses if you were going to still receive soldiers and sailors benefits. No. So there was probably 50 of us from Great New Bedford that fell in that mock. And I went to Fisher Junior College at um, Bang, and in the second semester, I took um, sociology. And that class, I aced it, 
But that one class, I ended up taking six classes, and I went back commercial fishing instead of going to the military. But um, that one class has helped my outlook on life to have an open mind. Because something seems right or good in this, in a given culture or given region, doesn't mean in another part of the world, another part of the country. Like last week when you're talking about pronunciations of words and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, again, have that open mind. Yeah. Like, like this whole thing with Texera or Teixeira, right? There you go. It's, it's all about dialect. That's what your education was when law came from. I, so. I, I honestly think that that's more to do with the guy from the Yankees. Honestly. I think people see that name and they think, oh, it's Teixeira. Because that's how yeah. Mark Teixeira you know, pronounced his name. And he was a pretty prominent player, so I think people are leaning into that. Oh, uh, would that be like the sheriff when he pronounces name one way and then it came another way and all that? Heros? Heros? Oh, yeah. Heros, yeah. Well, I mean, I think he's I think he's kind of settled in to, to one way, but... Uh, I still hear it all all different kinds of ways. I'm gonna, I'm just yeah. gonna keep saying hero because all the videos that I watched of him before all that stuff came out, he said hero, so that's what I'm gonna stick with. And in regard to Ring Road, that's always baffled me that there's never been sidewalks. And I've always thought about safety. It'd be interesting to know going back, say, 20 years, how many incidents of either minor injuries or people major injuries. It just doesn't make sense never made sense. The only thing I can think of like, and, and this is just a dumb logistical thing, is, you know, do, would they have to grade around, because you can't just have a sidewalk and have it be that the, 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 the side the side that's, you know, the, the that's not the road, it has to meet the sidewalk. Right. So if you put it in a raised sidewalk, you're going to have to grade the grade that area to kind of rise up and meet it. That's the only thing I can think of that they might not and have done we, it. you got around most of the perimeter, especially like when you go in, say, coming in and take the left, you've got the wetlands and the ponds and stuff, so runoff. And I don't know, but that was tragic. And as far as um, the incident itself with the young man, so the charges and all that, and I guess somebody at the scene also picked up a charge. They haven't given any details on that, someone's reaction. They haven't given us any, Kay's been trying, they haven't given us any details on any of it. Yeah, because it says about the secondary person, if we charges on a secondary person. But they won't tell us who they are. They won't tell us what's going on. But uh, she keeps trying every day. She keeps putting in requests for the information. So maybe we'll get it eventually. Oh, hey, and right up right up your field. Um, so TMZ about 56 minutes ago released um, a clarification at Taylor Swift's concert mm-hmm. out of her light show was conceived and reported as possible UFO sightings. Ah. TMZ just put it out. So no, what, what you're saying is e- even the aliens are Swifties. Even, yeah, even, they're kind of like... Even they're fans of hers. Maybe she's one of them. That's probably the case. That's probably Always the case. Always a pleasure, my friend. Likewise. Have a good day. Bye-bye. And uh, yeah, that's that's probably more likely accurate. Uh, so if you... You know, if you are, are somebody who has been to UMass Dartmouth and you have seen the way that ring road is laid out you 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 know you might be thinking the exact same thing uh you know why haven't they put in sidewalks it's a good question and um i might you know reach out to the um to the vice chancellor over there who put out this information about the pedestrian walkway that they're building and say you know is there plans to have it be an actual sidewalk and and uh what are the logistics involved in that also really quick while we're talking about emails that we put in i haven't heard back nor do i expect to but I did put in a request for the report 
from the Department of Homeland Security regarding the Bristol County Sheriff's Office and the ICE Detention Center, quote unquote, riot from May 1st, 2020. You know, the um, the one that um, Sheriff Hodgson, former Sheriff Hodgson, has called on Secretary Mayorkas to release the report. I did send an email just saying, you know, started off, started off with rather than coming straight at them and be like, freedom of information request, blah, 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 because they must have a reason for not having released it. So I was like, hey, I was wondering, could I get a copy of this report? We're writing an article, so we'll see. Maybe, maybe. I took I took the friendly approach, and uh, we'll see what the answer is that we get back. Uh, at least, you know, just give us an update on when you expect to be able to release it at least. So why don't we take our final break of the hour? We'll be back in a few. It's a little breezy out there today, but it's nice out. You probably want to open the windows and let some of that fresh air in, and then you open up the window and you realize, uh-oh, the screen ripped over the course of the winter, or the screen fell out, or <laughs> who knows what other kind of damage could have been caused. Well, then call my friends over at Precision Window and Kitchen in New Bedford because they can take care of any problem that you may have. No job is too big. No job is too small. They can repair your screen. They can fix your window. They can replace your window. They can replace just a pane of glass in your window, or they can replace every window in your home. Whatever it might be that you need. They can also do a full refurbish of your kitchen or your bath. They can work on your roof. They can do the replacement of all of your entry doors. Here it is springtime. You're going to be doing spring cleaning and you might want to upgrade the look of your home a little bit. Precision Window and Kitchen can help you with all of that. You can stop by their showroom at 1111 Acushnet Avenue in New Bedford and check out some of the different products that they use. You can also find out everything about them at precisionwindowandkitchen.com. When you go there, you can see the type of jobs that they can do and realize, like I said, no job is too big, no job is too small. They've been doing it for over 35 years, including doing the jobs that the other guys just won't do. So check them out, precisionwindowandkitchen.com. That's precisionwindowandkitchen.com. So uh, that'll do it for me for today. Stay tuned because Barry's coming up right after Bill O'Reilly. Then we'll have uh, Howie Carr after that and then South Coast tonight this evening. And, uh, and of course, always, always entertaining stuff for you here on WBSM. But if you miss any of it live, you can catch it all on our podcasts available from WBSM.com, from our app or wherever podcasts are found. So until tomorrow, have a great day and enjoy every sandwich.